Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things. Uh, this is our official ramp up, I think, for, for football and random things heading towards the season. Uh, we're going to have Jay Jordan on later on in the week. That's probably going to be like a five-hour long podcast uh, because it sounds like Jay has been doing his deep dives into Iowa State again and was was really digging into last year. So I'm looking forward to that. But today uh, we have Ari Temkin from uh, Big 12 Radio on Sirius XM, Big 12 This Morning. Jeff, you are a, a pretty regular guest on their show, and I, I thought this was a pretty great interview with him just to get some outsider's perspective on not only Iowa State, but the rest of the league as well. Yeah, it's kind of fun because he's not a guy who – he's not a homer really for anybody. I mean, he's a Kansas grad, so there's obviously, you know, in the same way that, like, you're sort of preferential to your school, but at the same time, he's not – he's not a guy who's, like – tooting the Oklahoma and Texas horn. He's just a big good. 12 guy, man. Yeah, he's just a he's big just, 12 guy. He's a guy for the big 12. Cause you know that if he gets in, you get into that old media type, then the, the old media is going to tell you how bad the big 12 is and how nobody cares about the big 12 and all those kinds of things. And that he, he clearly is not that way, which I appreciate. Yeah. You know? And it's uh, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. So, yeah. I mean, we're, I think the intention for us this year for you, dear listeners, that we're going to try and have at least some kind of guest. So it's not just the two of us spouting off the entire time but you are going to get just the two of us spouting off at least once a week we want to take fart from being uh i don't know fun to being educational we want to mix education and fun we need to make our farts louder yeah i suppose that's one way suppose that's one way to put it you need to amplify our farts amplify the farts all right let's talk to Ari temkin from big 12 radio on sirius xm now on football and random things All right, we're joined now on Football and Random Things from uh, Big 12 this morning and Big 12 Radio on Sirius XM. It's Ari Temkin. How's it going, man? How's, uh, how's everything going? And uh, I know you've been busy here this morning with your, with your show. No, I'm great. I appreciate you guys having me on. And, and you know, as I told you uh, before, I mean, with, with Big 12, all the Big 12 work I do, you know, I'm constantly reading and, and listening to podcasts from all the different 
you know, sites uh, across the big 12 and cyclone fanatic has one of the best without a doubt. Uh, one of the best podcast networks, one of the best writing. I mean, I I'm constantly quoting Chris Williams's article recently on Apple plus and perhaps their involvement in the big 12. So you got, I, I know Jeff and we have Jeff on a lot and um, I know we've had you on Jared, but just, mm-hmm. you know, shout out to cyclone fanatic. You guys are doing fantastic work. All right, we'll pay you after. Yep, yeah, we're gonna pay you afterwards for that. That was nice. We'll, we'll um, hit the Venmo <laughs> afterwards. You had to uh, quit calling me because I kept sleeping through the show. That that early morning just doesn't work for me, man. That's that's the time when you I I'm available anytime during the day except for the hours between like seven o'clock in the morning and nine. That's it's a it's on that change. It it's on that European change. time. He's on that European time. Or like they go to bed at two, wake up at nine thirty. I have two kids. Uh, so one is going to be seven soon. One's going to be four soon. So, I mean, I used to love to sleep in, but now even on like Saturdays when I have nothing to wake up for, I'm still up at like six, seven o'clock in the morning. Well, of course you've got to say lots of nice things about the cyclone since you have Dave Archer with you all the time too. So, uh, if anything, it's the opposite. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, that we're, that's the crazy thing, man. So it's, uh, it's kind of funny. This kind of leads us into our conversation. You know, Iowa state got the one first place vote in the big 12 preseason poll. And, and even to us, it's like, what the hell is going on? Right. Why is Iowa State getting a first place vote? And then I, you know, there was these people on a Kansas State podcast that were saying that Cyclone Fanatic was the one who gave them the one vote. And I'm like, man, we're more likely to vote them lower than we probably are to vote them number one. Like, come on, man. We, we're harder on ourselves than I think that, that we are anything else. But uh, what what's just your general um, outlook for Iowa State? Like, what do you, when you think of this Iowa State team right now and what the program lost and everything from an outsider's perspective, I guess, what is your view on the program at this point? Yeah. And I mean, look, the exercise, the point of the big 12 preseason poll, like the exercise is to like, who's coming back and how good is that team based on what they have coming back. So based on that, like there is no conceivable way you could make Iowa state <laughs> number, number one. one. Right. Right. Like, even if you're so optimistic about Hunter Deckers and everything that's you know, will emerge. Like we haven't seen any of these guys, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I'm optimistic. Um, and look, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I will blindly believe Matt Campbell and, um, you know, it's almost as if like, I think he, like he wants to win and he wants teams with experience and good players, but I almost feel like he likes these teams better. Um, Cause they just, they ping pong back and forth between being, you know, the hunted and the hunter, it seems like every year, you know, where like when Brock Purdy was a true freshman, they had Montgomery and they had um, a kid out wide whose name's escaped. Hakeem, got, Hakeem Butler. Yeah. yeah. Butler who got drafted by the Cardinals. Like, you know, they, they out well outperformed expectations with the true freshman and Purdy. And then the next year expectations are high and they underperform and the next year expectations are low. And they, so it's like every year it seems to go back and forth. Um, but look, I mean, as good as Brock Purdy was, you got, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. Um, there was definitely, I'm excited to see what Hunter Deckers brings to the yeah. table. Um, yeah. You know, there's so much excitement over his ability to, to get the ball down the field. You know, it, it certainly helps with what they have returning at wide receiver. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time at, at media days talking to Matt Campbell about the birth of that three, three, five. It's just st- simply still amazing to me how widespread, like everybody in college football runs the, the three, three, five to some variation now. So we talked about kind of the genesis of that. Cause I'm just so intrigued that Iowa state is at the forefront of like defensive principles in college football. Um, it's actually, it's actually crazy. I just saw a tweet from someone down in Florida who's writing their doctorate dissertation on the Iowa state three safe, three high safety defense. 
and I have wild. no idea what that means, but what they're looking what? they're looking for people who played in the three high safety defense to write about in their in their dissertation. I, mean, I don't Mike know. Rose wouldn't be a bad guy to talk to about well, that. No, I, obviously, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's lots of guys out there that right. can, I'm sure, talk and tell and tell them lots about the defense. But I saw that and I was like, man, I don't know how how that even gets on the radar. Of what degree that, is yeah. doing that? I mean, yeah. can, okay, we're passing out PhDs, and you're going to spend time talking about the three three five, or like, okay, I, I understand that education is important, but really, that is a wasted tuition dollar. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I want that degree. <laughs> yeah, we are more likely to talk trash about Iowa State than anybody else. Um, okay, so the interesting thing, you know, you talk about like Hunter Deckers, and it's interesting that you brought him up first because there is there's a a difference between what Purdy did and the offense that was run with Dave Montgomery and Brees Hall and those guys, and then what potentially is going to happen with this. So when again thinking from an outsider's perspective. Is the perception when you kind of talk to other, whether it's big 12 guys or like ACC, SEC, big 12, uh, big 10 guys, is the perception of the big 12 from kind of the national media that the big 12 is a sling it and just chuck it all over the road type thing. Because we, I mean, again, you might be more in our camp because as the big 12, you, as it has evolved over the past five or 10 years, whether it's giving John Haycock and Iowa state credit for pushing it back, but like whether it's Oklahoma state with those defenses that they played with Baylor and Aranda and those defenses they played, whether it's with um, Alex Grinch and Oklahoma, not being awful at playing defense. And you have these defenses that are like, I would say the big 12 is now more of a defensive conference than it is an offensive conference. But a lot of times the attention still goes to the quarterbacks. What is the perception from when you talk to guys that are outside of the big 12, what is the perception of the big 12? Is it still like Geno Smith and, you know, RG three chucking it and scoring 70. And that's still what the perception is, I guess. What is, yeah. What is the view from the outsiders point in? I mean, anybody who knows, you know, sees the way this conference has evolved, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like a test, you know, where you're talking college football to somebody, whether they're an analyst or a fan, it's like, as soon as they mention, yeah, the pack or the big 12, just slinging it around and 55, 50, it's like, Oh, you're not watching. (laughs) Okay. I I see. Like you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, you know, Dave Aranda talked about this at media days in sort of the, the incredible contrast of styles. So, I mean, I think you have a few things at play. I mean, I think when the league was slinging it around and teams are scoring crazy numbers and then Iowa state comes out with this defense and I think teams then duplicated that. I mean, Matt rule famously immediately duplicated it as, you know, and so it's, it was sort of the antidote to the, the high flying offenses. And so it's just, it was the next evolution. It's these great offenses. They finally found a defense that could stop it. And now, you know, the next evolution. So it's partly that it's partly new coaches and the influence that those coaches had to take over their programs. Aranda is a great example of that. I mean, it's a defensive minded head coach that messed up with the offensive coordinator in year one and decided to rectify that in year two with more of a ground and pound defensive centric approach. Um, and we saw that obviously with Iowa State and and K State. I mean, you're not going to reinvent the wheel here when you've got great running backs and Breeze Hall and Deuce Vaughn. So there's no reason to you know be be throwing it as much as the Big 12 used to. Um, but now, I mean, we have these. I mean, so Breeze Hall moves on. Hunter Deckers comes in, and all we hear about Hunter is elite arm strength. You know, he's he's a gunslinger. I mean, that's that's what Campbell said. That's what Trevor Downing told us. So it's like, okay, so how grounded pound are they going to be then with a gunslinger? I mean, Blake shape. And I think the reason he was named the starter was because they felt like they were capped offensively with, 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 with Jerry Bohannon. 
Um, and, and so, I mean, Shapin's named the starter, I think for that reason, um, they obviously also lose their top two running backs at, at Baylor, you know, Sonny Dykes comes in for a TCU program that had been led by a defense, defensive minded head coach for years. So Dykes, obviously his history is, is, you know, in the, from the air raid tree, if you will. Um, and, and they, they lose their best running back at Zach Evans, who transfers to Ole Miss. Um, I mean, obviously with what Texas tech has, Zach Hitley as offensive coordinator, right? Like, so I, I think it's evolved. It's going to evolve more back towards what it's been, but there's going to be a contrast. I mean, I think you've got a conference now that's not reinventing the wheel. You're going to have teams do what to play to their strengths. I think K state will be definitely a team that wants to run the football effectively. I think Texas is going to, is going to run the ball a lot this year, even with the weapons they have on the outside. So you know, when you talk to anybody that's watched the league over the last few years, you can see that it's become a more defensive minded, you know, grounded pound type league, very much, you know, the antithesis of what it's been, but I can see it trending more back that way, just based on personnel. I mean, these are smart coaches that are going to, they're going to play the strengths of their personnel. Yeah. I I think it's interesting with, you know, like Iowa state, especially with Matt Campbell. And I think a lot of the other coaches, I think Gundy's another really good example of, yes, he wants, it's the players formations play strategy. It's how do you get the best 11 dudes on the field and let them do the thing that they're the best at. And that's, I mean, that's how Iowa state ended up in with running three tight ends half the time is just because three of your best 11 happen to all play the same position. So, okay, how do we get all three on the field at the same time? And yeah, guys like Gundy or guys like Aranda are just really good. I mean, last year with Gary Bohannon down in at in Baylor, there is, I mean, their offense was usually a quarterback who played more like a running back. You have two running backs that alternate back and forth, and you have a fullback or a tight end that's going to be playing. It's like a shotgun Big Ten from 2003 offense. So, like, it's interesting that, right. you know, I, I think I, I like the concept that you're talking about of just the league might trend back to better offenses because that is sort of what the personnel of the teams presents. And Campbell well, did, by the way, Campbell did tell us we will see some double tight ends this year. So yeah, uh, that's, that's not, not going away. Abandoned. Yeah. That's not going away. Uh, and I just think too, that when you look at the league, I mean, it has been a running back league offensively the last several years, I think. And now, you know, especially you look at Iowa state, you start to see, even when teams will play the three high safeties are really trying to spread the field defensively. They're loading more and more people towards the box and putting a lot more attention towards the box. And then, you know, now you have to throw it. And I think that's where Iowa state ran into some trouble last year is they didn't have that ability to stretch the field and push people back away from the line of scrimmage, which, wasn't able to open up things for Brees. And I think that's what people are so excited about with Hunter is just that possibility that it might make life easier on those running backs who obviously are not overly experienced. You know, Jairo Brock has played some for Iowa state and played some meaningful snaps, but other than that, it's going to be a bunch of guys who are sliding in there to play for really the first time. What can you do to make their lives easier? Because the defenses in this league are just no joke, you know? Well, and, and that's one of the complaints that my my co-host Dave Archer's had about the Cyclones is that is that they just have not been able to win on the perimeter. And and he, you know, he doesn't he thinks that's the case both offensively and defensively. Like they just didn't have the corners for that. But I mean, if they can't if they can't stretch the field and win on the perimeter with Deckers, who again, from all accounts, you know, has a just a gigantic arm and is not afraid to use it. And with Hutchinson and with the weapons that they have, then, I mean, we're not going to see Iowa State stretch the field away to the perimeter. It seems right. like this is now finally the, the group to do it. Go ahead, Jeff. Um, you mentioned just being able to have, you know, Jared talking about being able to stretch the field and having 
a running back that's going to be in the front. I think Texas comes to mind with that. I mean, is it yours? Is that how you pronounce it? Yours? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing from us way up north, what is the deal with Texas? Because I think the a lot of the you hear <laughs> about Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Baylor, like those are the four air quotes top teams in the conference, right? But how we have seen this script so many right. times before. Why do they keep getting the benefit of the doubt? What about Texas this year has people interested in saying, oh, this is going to be the time that they put it all together because there you couldn't find a less interested team in playing football than the 2021 Texas Longhorns by the end of the year. They so badly wanted to be done with that season by about seven games that like, I mean, that's how the Kansas game happened. That's how B. John Robinson ended up getting hurt is because they just didn't care. And that's how, I mean, Iowa state in the second half of that game, I think they scored like 35 points in a quarter and a half because the team just quit. I mean, there is no desire to it. So what about this Texas team has people saying, yep, this is the year they're going to put it together. Is it just Bijan Robinson and having talent at wide receiver? Or I guess, again, just what is it about Texas that has people drooling? No, I mean, you're right. That defense was just, I mean, like against the run, it was really incredible. Like it, I've never seen anything quite that bad before. Well, like, and run defense is want to like run defense is the definition of just, do you want to be there? Because it's uncomfortable. There is, you're going to have to run into someone harder than you want to. They're trying to move you out of the way and you have to hold your ground. Don't let them move you out of the way. And talent or no talent, it's just want to, how much are you going to put your nose in there? And like, them being so bad at run defense tells you exactly what you need to know is that they had absolutely no intention of doing anything. Right. No. So to your, the, the short answer to your question is talent, right? The fact that they have not been able to develop that talent is inconsequential because every year they seem to be towards the top of the pecking order for that reason. And that reason alone, you know, I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Iowa state and Texas are like the exact opposite programs right now. Uh, we hear Campbell talk all the time about the developmental program, winning the margins. Texas is the opposite. Texas cannot develop players. Texas just had a draft where they didn't have a player drafted. And that that's, that's a group that's like, was a top five recruiting classes. So, I mean, I know obviously a lot of those guys left or whatever, but like Kansas had a guy drafted and Texas did not. And that's like a top five recruiting class. <laughs> Unbelievable. I think it's, it's funny. Brees Hall. It's, it's funny that you can just use Kansas as like a punchline sort of, and like you're a Kansas alum. So it's like Kansas had somebody drafted. I take Kansas. great pride in that. We, Kansas had a player drafted and Texas did not, but it's the Brees Hall quote, right? Like three-star culture versus three-star, you know, five-star culture versus five-star players. And, um, I mean, look, I bought it last year um, because I thought, okay, this is, a, this is a talented team that won a lot of games under Tom Herman. Sark's the guy to take him to the next level. And so here's where Sark's getting the benefit of the doubt in a lot of cases. So, I mean, that team did not want to be there, like you said, Jeff. And they their chemistry, their accountability, like all of that stuff that goes into winning football teams was completely gone. And Sark took some responsibility, but also blamed the players that were there. I didn't inherit these players. We're going to turn this roster over and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, you get, you get the benefit of the doubt on that one year, but now this is, you, you turn the roster over. These are your guys, quote unquote. You have a, a ridiculously good recruiting class that may or may not have been helped by NIL, which that's legal. So whatever, I'm not saying anything that's, you know, that that's questionable, but they have a ridiculous offensive line class coming in. They've obviously got a ridiculous class in 2023 behind them led by Arch Manning. 
So like, you can't play the culture card again. You can't play the chemistry and, you know, and, and accountability card again, that's, that happens once and it's not your fault. And it happens again. And it's, it's your fault. It, to me, it is very much his fault or it, not, not fully, but he's plays a huge role in that. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think, I think their ceiling this year is like eight, nine wins. I, I best case scenario, I worry about their offensive line. They do have a really good uh, group of skill position players. I think Xavier worthy is, the second, second best Xavier in the conference, but uh, wide out, but still really good. Um, you know, they've got Jalen Naylor uh, coming in, who, who's uh, Nayer, who's a, a transfer, who I think is a really good wide receiver as well from Wyoming, who's a speedster. Um, they've got uh, Jaleel Billing, uh, Billingsley. They've got the other kid from Alabama coming in as well, who's highly recruited, but couldn't seem to figure out just how to stay on the field at Alabama. So, and then you look at the running back room and it's, it's second to none. Um, so I, I think that's, Talent and short is the reason for the optimism surrounding them. But I'm in a very much a wait and see approach. I think a lot of people are. It's like, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, that's where I'm at with Texas at this point. We know that they're going to have the talent every year, but it's just this cycle has been continuing. I mean, it's been a decade now that this cycle continues where you look at it, it's like, man, Texas has a lot of talent. But then those same chemistry issues prop up and it and it's not just with Sark. It's been with Tom Herman. It's been with Charlie strong. It was at the end of the Mac Brown era. Like it's been in there for a long time and it's so deeply ingrained. And that's where like, I don't know that I would cut Sark a lot of slack for that because, you know, you remember the video that came out even after the Iowa state game where the, with the coach yelling at him on the bus. And like, those are the kinds of things that just make you sit there and be like, man, I don't think that there's that many people in that program that are really invested into what's going on and trying to turn it around, you know? And, and, and it's just, What's funny too is that Herman, the last time you had said that a Texas team was tough was Herman the year Herman got fired. Yeah. That was the last time that a Texas team showed fight every single game and then they fired him and then they got this last year. Which was the exact opposite. The exact opposite. And what's funny too, so I think another, I mean, with teams like that, they are, I'm trying to find another metaphor for like, they're a ride the wave type team. They are going to, if it's good, they're going to keep playing well. And you better look out because it's going to be, uh, uh, I mean, as my, my running backs coach, Kenneth Pope said, run, rolling ball of butcher knives. Like it is going to be bad if they get confidence, but if they get punched in the face, they don't respond well to that punch in the face because then they look at, well, my buddy over here should have punched that guy before I got punched. So now screw this guy. So like their schedule, they have UL Monroe, which whatever, then they, the second game of the year is Alabama and if they play Alabama in the same way they played Alabama last year, which is absolutely getting throttled, then it doesn't really matter. I mean, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna have that same kind of point at each other, point at each other type thing again. So I don't know, this is, I, I, yeah, I don't wait and see about Texas. I don't even know if I'm waiting to see, like, I just, I, they don't have the benefit of the doubt for me. Like I'm not going to give them even a neutral. So I don't think that they can figure out culture in one year with replacing the entire roster. I I mean, it's, I'd be very, I'm skeptical like you are because Sark played some role in the culture downgrade that we saw. Like he's yeah. not, he's not independent it, because again, the whole talk was like, this team can win. They won a bunch of games. Sark will take them to the next level. And suddenly Sark's like, we've got problems internally. Like the, this roster is just not getting buy-in. It's like, that's kind of your job. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's literally what you're here to do, man. Do yeah. Yeah. Is to get by it. A, a few things. So, I covered, I, I was in Austin working for 104.9 The Horn in Austin, basically at the beginning of the end of Texas football when um, 
right after they lost to Alabama. And so Garrett Gilbert comes in and the same talking points. And, and, you know, to your point, like Mac, Charlie strong, Tom Herman, Sark, it's the same, it's four coaches. It's the same talking points we had back then. These are entitled kids. They come to Texas and they think they've, you know, they've done what the players before them had done at this point. It's like, 20 years ago, you know, so it's like, it's just, it's absurd. And one more thing I meant to bring this up on big 12 radio. So we, at our setup at big 12 media days for day two, we did this, we did this thing where we, so day one, we had the coach in front of the table day two, we did this thing where the coach was behind us with the table. So there was two chairs, Archer and Gabe Eichert, then the coach and then me. So the first coach we had day two is Sark. And so he sits down and he almost fully turned his back to me to look at Gabe and Archer. And it was like, okay. But then when like, I asked a question, he kind of like turned around a little bit. And I, so after Sark, I was like thinking in my head, like, is this going to be how every coach is? And it was, he was the only coach <laughs> that day yeah. to do it. Like, and it was so weird. Like I get it. They played, but like to complete, like completely turned his back to me. Yeah. And it was just such a funny thing that I was like, is this weird or is this going to keep happening? It was the only coach to do it. So it just leads me to believe he's very socially awkward. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, all right. Another program that I just, I don't understand the amount of love that they're getting. And I know they bring back some good pieces on the offensive line, a couple good pieces on defense. Andre Ware was all over Kansas state on thir- or, uh, on Wednesday on the, on the TV uh, ESPN plus broadcast. And he kept talking about, this is my team. I think is going to win the league and all these kind of stuff. And he was talking about Adrian Martinez and full disclosure. I, I grew up a Nebraska fan. My parents are season ticket holders for Nebraska games. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of them now, but I still follow casually. And anybody putting their hopes and dreams into what Adrian Martinez is going to do is setting themselves up to have a disappointing fall is all I'm going to say. And that's nothing against him. Like he seems like he's a great guy. And like, you know, it seems like he's done really well in the NIL space and his teammates seem to like him, but man, he makes so many mistakes at the crucial points of the games. And that's what, that's what would scare me if I'm a Kansas state fan. And that's what kind of has me leery of thinking that they're going to make a significant jump with him at quarterback, because it's not like Skylar Thompson was a bad player before. I don't know that it's that significant of an upgrade that it would make that big a difference from your perspective. Where is the Kansas state love coming from? And how do you feel about that? Where do you think that they slot in at this point? Yeah. I mean, to me, the three teams, you can make a pretty credible argument that can win the big 12 Baylor, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, and I always throw in like maybe K-State if everything goes right. And I mean, you know, give credit to Dave Archer again, who really the entire offseason, I mean, he was the one at the first, at the start of the offseason talking about K-State's like a dark horse team next year because they've just got a lot of talent, especially on defense. Um, and then, of course, Deuce Vaughn. Um, look, I think what you said about Adrian Martinez is the reason why anybody should be skittish about picking K-State to win the Big 12. When you're, you know, you're, your chances of winning the conference hinge on Adrian Martinez. There's a lot of history there that suggests that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he is prone to mistakes. 
he, I mean, it, it's just well-documented. And then, you know, I mean, they do have a lot of receivers back, but it's like, I mean, how good is Malik Knowles? How good is Phillip Brooks, right? How good are these guys that have been there? It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, experience is back, but how good is that experience? Um, I, I do like their defense. I think their offensive line has a lot of pieces there. So, I mean, I think they, in the trenches, they're as good as anybody. Their defensive line rotation, their offensive line rotation, I think is really good. And then, of course, you know, Deuce Vaughn's just, he's incredible. Um, but again, I, to me, they're still kind of like, I, I wouldn't go fully full Andre Ware and say like, they're, I think they win the conference. Right, right. I picked Baylor to win the conference. I picked Blake Shapen to be the offensive player of the year. Um, but, you know, so I'm taking a leap, a leap of faith there with that pick, but I could see K-State win the conference, but I also think like, or is Adrian Martinez suddenly going to become, become something that he's never been? Mm-hmm. Hmm, I don't know. And that, well, and it, maybe it can happen. He'll have a better offensive line in front of him that, you know, Nebraska has had an atrocious offensive line. So it's like it, he, maybe he gets that protection and some things come together, but you know, Colin Klein is the offensive coordinator now. Like that makes me think you got to assume that the offensive, the quarterback run game is probably going to be more involved than maybe what it has been. And that when you start thinking about injuries and stuff like that, I mean, they've had their quarterbacks banged up. It seems like every year, uh, especially when they've come to play Iowa state and then you end up with a backup who doesn't, who can't handle that load. And that, I don't know, I'm not buying into it. And that's nothing against Kansas state. Like I know they've got talent, but I just, I can't, I can't get over the Adrian Martinez thing until I see, see something different. I think. And Jeff, I want to get your thoughts on this, but Chris Kleiman, something interesting that he told us was they didn't know if they were going to run a three, three, three down line in front or a four down line in front until the first game of the season last year, like up until game day. And basically the team was like, we should, we'd, we'd prefer to run with three down line. So they all off season, they were kind of running both, not knowing which they would go with. And so now that they're like a full, you know, rush three drop eight team, they'll have, you know, more experience with their front simply because they just didn't all off season work on, on the, on the, you know, rush three drop eight. So maybe that's a reason for optimism on their defense. Again, they do have a good defensive line and a good defensive front and they're more embedded in this, you know, rush three drop eight situation. Yeah. Which means their eyes are going to be better. I think the biggest difference that they're going to have between a, between flipping between three and four in practice and between doing three and doing three consistently is that when you're in three and four, you're, uh, the responsibility that a person has is going to be different, not just in gap, but in who you, what your keys are. So like if you're Mike Rose and you're playing as uh, the will linebacker in the box and there's four down linemen in front of you, your keys may or may not be the same. You're probably looking at a guard, maybe, maybe both guards and a, a fullback or something like that. That's the, the, what you're looking at. But when you have a three down line look, you're going to be playing outside the box, which is a different vantage point anyway. And then you're going to be potentially looking at tackle tight end, whatever, like your keys are going to change. Yeah. And so just getting used and repping the fact of what are you, what am I supposed to be looking at in any given situation? Because like, practice is a you're trying your best to replicate games in practice and what things you're going to see and feel and experience but you're never going to be able to do all of it you know you're never going to be we're third and seven with a replacement tight end and a backup quarterback or and a starting quarterback or whatever or our defensive lineman got hurt and you know you're never going to be able to replace everything single thing so you're trying to get as comfortable with the things that you can control as as possible and then on top of that do it Hmm. the other thing that i think you know, we ask about all these teams and we're get, uh, there's one, at least one more team that we're interested in just because, you know, they're an interesting team is I don't think that there is a top 
in the conference. There's, there's a top cluster Baylor, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, you know, the teams we've talked about so far, but there's most of the conference is just the middle. Like even a team like Texas tech, who has not been good, they have completely replaced their coach. And if you get buy-in from a coach like that, any game could be a win for a team like Texas tech and Kansas, as much as it's weird to say, Leipold is a really good coach who could yeah. potentially get them to be, I don't know if good, but better than before. And like the margin using Iowa state as an example from last year, their margin of defeat in the losses they had was like four. So if you get one pass that doesn't get completed or one uh, on the opponent's side, or for you, like against, against Oklahoma in Oklahoma, if he, if Brock Purdy is able to see chase Allen and doesn't try and throw it to some other one, they score a touchdown, they potentially win that game. Like all of these things change really quickly with a win and a loss. And so a team like Kansas state, it's hard for me still to think that that team will win the conference because they don't have, you know, that top end you talk about talent. Like they don't have that top end Texas talent that everybody talks about, which means they have to win in the margins, but who's the one that's going to have to win in the margins. It's Martinez. Like Martinez has to keep them in the margins to win in the margins. And, so like, and his history suggests that's not a good thing. That is not the case. He is an outside the margins guy. Right. His ceiling is really high. His floor is really low. And like you're in, in order to win a conference like this, that's why the two best teams in the conference last year, Oklahoma state and Baylor were the two most consistent teams across the, the they just, they did the less, the least amount of dumb shit across the year. That's what got them to be the best team. It, they were the golfers that shot two under and they had pars across the board and two birdies and that's it they didn't do anything crazy didn't hole out anything it was just don't do dumb stuff and it got him to be there so talking about consistency and talking about a team with high high and low ceilings the other team that we were sort of interested in from a national perspective is oklahoma because iowa state the knock on iowa state is that you lose a lot of production for iowa state well that same knock is there including a coach and like you would assume that Brent Venables is going to have a pretty good squad going in. And I personally, I think Brent Venables is a great coach. I personally, I, I, my, I have not had no negative interactions with anyone who has interacted with him. He's not, you know, by all means is a nice guy and is, is a good coach. So you'd think he'd do better, but how do, are we just giving him the benefit of the doubt because the logo on the helmet, uh, because they are replacing everything, coach, quarterback, the other quarterback, all of the rest of their, pretty much their whole defense, like what about Oklahoma? Again, to ask the same question about them as we did against Texas and Kansas State. What about Oklahoma has it justify is justifying the hype? So, and to your point, again, I'm quoting Dave Archer here, but he he mentioned this at Big Twelve Media Days. Like, why is Iowa like Iowa State has the same coach with a you know huge turnover in roster? Oklahoma has a different coach with a huge turnover in roster. Why is Oklahoma getting the benefit of the doubt and and Iowa State's not? And Iowa State has a known coach like a known commodity here. Brent Venables has never been a head coach. It's a great point. And it's, it's simply because they're Oklahoma. Um, and look, I mean, even though Campbell has done pretty consistently turning three stars into four and five star type players, you know, these are four and five star players that Oklahoma's mm -hmm. getting. And, and so, I mean, I agree with why is, why, why is Oklahoma getting the benefit out in Iowa State's not. And probably a good reason for why Iowa State should get the benefit of the doubt, more so than Oklahoma not. Um, and there's like there's so much talk around Oklahoma that it's kind of like, man, I just can't wait to see this thing play out. Because so like first you have the Venables thing. And I, I think it, he's just the perfect coach at the perfect time for them, considering his history, 
you know, he's obviously was a longtime assistant at, at OU and worked under Bob Stoops, but even before that, a K-State guy, you know, playing under Bill Snyder, co- coaching with the Stoops brothers and then coming over to Oklahoma. So he's got the big 12, big eight history there. And then longtime, highly sought after famous coordinator that never left to get it. So it's just like the perfect guy for Oklahoma at the perfect time where they needed that steady hand or they needed somebody to come in and, 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 you know, be what Venables has been, which is aggressive and galvanize the group. So he's just, he's perfect in that regard. And, and then I think Dylan Gabriel, like, man, he has done so much incredible stuff. He had this, he called this dime time retreat where he, you know, he, he basically bought an Airbnb for his wide receivers and quarterbacks and running backs. And so they all went out there and hung out and, and, you know, and threw the football around together. And, you know, he's taking the cornerbacks out for dinner. Like why would a quarterback take the defensive backs out for dinner? So it's like, wow, great move for chemistry. So like just the talk has been so good, but like talk is cheap. Let's see it. You know, let's see it play out. Um, you know, I'm worried about what they have at receiver other than Marvin Mims. You know, I think there's some questions there in terms of players they've lost. They do bring in some big time players, but let's see. Um, you know, I'm, I don't, the running back situation is not great. I'm not really sure what they have there. I mean, Eric Gray was supposed to be the guy last year, the transfer from Tennessee. And there's nothing that we saw that's like, oh, this guy could be a bell cow. So I think they're still searching for what they have a running back. Uh, their defense was drastically underperformed relative to expectations, and they lose a bunch of those players. So, like, a lot of talent there. Um, I, I said at the beginning of this podcast, like there's certainly a team that can win the big 12, but to your point, Jeff, like there are a lot of teams here that could win four games, but they could also win eight games, you know? So like the, the, just the chasm between, you know, those margins this year and what they could mean for the output of a season is huge. And I, I don't think Oklahoma's a team that will be a four win team this year by a stretch of the imagination, but, um, I, I think their floor is probably a lot lower than any Oklahoma fan wants to, wants to give credit to. Um, I, I, I'm still going to buy it, but again, it's a lot of talk. It's a lot of talk and it's good talk. And it's a lot of good talking points, but it's all talk. I just think it's a slippery slope in college football to go the full transfers route. And obviously they kind of had to with you. They lost more snaps than I think anybody in college football, but then they gained more too from the transfer portal than anybody else. It's one thing in basketball where you've got like 12 guys, you know, that you've got to put together. If you bring in six or seven transfers, you know, we saw it with Iowa State. You put, you get six or seven transfers together. They really mesh. Like things can really go well. And and the nature of the sport too is basketball yeah. is if you have great, great offense can beat great defense in basketball. If you say, hey, Kevin Durant, here's a basketball, put it in the hoop. And right. he's really good. It doesn't really matter as much mm-hmm. who's around. But when you've got to replace, right. you know, 30 guys that were experienced for you or whatever with 30 guys that were playing for other teams, man, not everybody can be Michigan State like what Michigan State did last year and went from winning however many they did to winning 10 games or whatever it was like that. That would just make me nervous. I think if I was a, an Oklahoma fan, it's like, man, we got to replace a lot of people and you got to rebuild basically everything with a whole new group well, of guys. And so, like, you think about the court, the transfer quarterback, offensive coordinator dynamic. Like, man, Adrian Martinez, going back to K-State for a second, two spring practices. He wasn't cleared because he had the shoulder injury last year, the collarbone injury. And, and so he wasn't cleared, so he only had two practices. So here's a new quarterback with a new offensive coordinator that he's never worked with before, and he only had two spring practices. Now, the opposite end of that is there is some familiarity with Jeff Lebby and, and 
and Dylan Gabriel. That's that's really important in this era of the transfer portal where you've got a quarterback coming in on short notice. JT Daniels at West Virginia, same deal um, with Graham Harrell. So I do think that that has to play into it too. Because you're right, I mean, football is so different in terms of the schematics and 11 guys being on the same page and, and working together to understand exactly what everybody's job is and everybody's play. And then, you know, you, not only your job, but what the guys next to you job is and that kind of stuff. So like totally agree roster turnover in football is so difficult in one off season, but at least at the quarterback position, there is some familiarity with offensive coach offensive coordinator of the case for West Virginia and for Oklahoma for K state. It's definitely another reason why it's like, is this going to work out? Well, I think another, another aspect that I'm interested in, again, just with Oklahoma and Texas um, is that in years past, and I think Texas, the, the luster's worn off sooner. In years past, there has been a legitimate, you get nervous when you play a team like that because you just look at the, the size of the roster. You look at the experience of the guys. You look at the draft prospects and whatever, and they're going to have this first-round wide receiver and all these things. They got Adrian Peterson here, and they got whatever. And there is a little bit of, you know, you get a three-point bump just by being – the other team being intimidated that like we have to play perfect. So they play tighter. Well, I think the luster has worn off and I don't know if this is true for every team in the conference, but at least from an Iowa state perspective, Oklahoma doesn't scare an Iowa state fan anymore. You know, Texas certainly doesn't scare an Iowa state fan anymore. There's no real fan base where you look at the week or you look at the schedule and you go, well, that's probably a loss. And then kind of have to go into the, the game. And I don't know if Oklahoma carries that same intimidation factor that they have in the past that, you know, in two, when Baker Mayfield was absolutely at the top of his game was probably the last time that they had this like true, Oh, it's Oklahoma. Right. Type feeling where, when they're, when they're on the schedule, you look at, so again, I don't know uh, nationally or, or across the conference across uh, if other teams view it the same way, but I don't think that there is a team that is an Ohio state or that isn't Alabama or is a Georgia that you can go, Ooh, they're good and not know anything about them. So now I think they've, in these past few years, Oklahoma has been humanized, which has really helped the rest of the conference in being able to kind of dethrone them. Yeah, that's a great point because part of like part of the intimidation factor is like you win the game before they even show up because you know you just know how good they are and how explosive their offense has been in recent history. And I mean, the other thing too is like there's so much complaining about last year and like from the players. Certainly it was like, you know, Marvin Mims, you know, we didn't have a winning mentality. Um, you know, we, we were a dysfunctional family and it's like, I get it. And it sounds great, but like, where are these complaints when Lincoln Riley was here? <laughs> you know, like there are no complaints about Lincoln Riley when he was there. It's only after he leaves that he's like, Oh, he was the worst. And what a dysfunctional family. It's like, that's, that's weird because it's just suddenly it comes up once he spurns you. So like, you're trying to figure out the legitimacy to that. And not to say that like, they weren't a dysfunctional family last year or any of these other things aren't true, but like, does that get fixed in one off season? Is that entirely, you know, Lincoln Riley's doing or the other factors at play? It's just, you know, and again, the sour grapes part of like, well, he's gone now. So now you're going to complain about him. All right. The last team I want to ask you about, and then we'll let you go Oklahoma state. They're another one of those teams that's going to be at the top of the league. We know what they've got with Spencer Sanders on the, on the offensive side. What's that defense you think going to be like, got to replace Jim Knowles as the defensive coordinator. Uh, that I think is my one 
thing that holds me back with them is like, you know, they're probably gonna be able to score some points, but what set them apart these last couple of years is that defense was so freaking good, man. And uh, now you lose Jim Knowles, like what's that going to look like? That's just going to be my only thing with them to kind of keep an eye on early in the year. Yeah. They're really interesting um, because, because of the guys they lose. So you start there and you're like, okay, of course, Jim Knowles, you know, they replaced him with Derek Mason. What Gundy told us is, Basically, when they went out to look for a defensive coordinator, Gundy told whoever they interviewed, like, we don't want to change anything. We want to keep the terminology the same. We want to keep this relatively similar. And, you know, so I guess Mason was the guy that was like, okay, cool, let's do that. You know, Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just, it is what it is. Gundy talked about in the past, you know, they they bring in a new coordinator and like everything's brand new and they didn't want to do that. You know, again, don't know if that's good or bad. It's just interesting. Um, I guess I'll say probably more towards the bad side because you want to kind of want a a coach to decide their own fate, you know, go down on their own sword with the type of scheme they want to run. But that's interesting. You also have like you had a team last year built on defense that could win with their defense and running the football. Now they're going to be a lot more reliant on Spencer Sanders. And here's a guy that's just his only consistency has been his inconsistency. And they have a young offensive line. They certainly are going to have playmakers on the outside. And I, I do expect their running game to be good, even though we don't know who that, you know, bell cow back is going to be for them. That's just kind of the, you know, the, the, the um, credibility of a guy like Mike Gundy, but Gundy had this sack, this stat, which I think is interesting. 74% of their sacks last year came uh, with four rushers. So they just didn't have to bring extra pressure last year. And that's like, you can do a lot of things on defense, when you can get after the quarterback you know, it, 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 you know, with only four guys, 74% of their sacks, that's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, how aggressive are they going to be on defense to, if they're not able to get to the quarterback with four, um, you know, how much they're putting a lot on Spencer Sanders and he's shown over the years that that's not necessarily a good thing, turnover issues, whatever. So I, I, there's certainly from like the, who could win this conference, a team that's in the conversation, but I'm probably more skittish on them than anybody else for those reasons. All right, well, man. I think oh, this, unless Jess got something. Yep. I was going to say this is the last thing about Oklahoma State is they were able to run their scheme because of their personnel. You have a guy like Blake Martinez who is going to tackle everything. Yep. And now he's not there, and they lose the rest of their offense, so or the rest of their defense. So I don't know what the personnel they're having returning. So that was just one uh, a thought they had, and I could go into way more depth on Oklahoma State's defensive schematics, but we've already taken. 40 minutes of your time. So I don't think that you need to go into that and we can do that another time. No, I mean, I, I, I 30 minutes an hour. Uh, like I said, I mean, I have a lot of respect for you guys as Cyclone fanatics. So um, it, I appreciate you asking me to come on and would love to come on any other time. Yeah. We appreciate you, man. We'll, uh, we'll have you again here soon. Uh, keep doing good work with, uh, with big 12 radio and, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll uh, talk to you again soon. Peace.